you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. Uh, As you know, we have been on a journey through the Gospel of John, and uh, we have come to the very first uh, uh, day or first Sunday in the month of October, the 10th month, and it's appropriate to start on the 10th chapter of John. So we are on the 10th chapter, even though that uh, we had the reading from verses 1 to 10, as I was preparing, I realized that there's a lot that we can take from these verses, so I've, I've narrowed it down to only the first six verses for today, and then we'll go on to the, the second part next Sunday. Now, <clears throat> this text is more like an allegory or a, or a symbolic illustration. Now, we know that uh, Jesus often spoke in parables. So what is a parable? Parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's what a parable is. But not everyone was able to grasp or understand the parable It was only revealed, the truth of the parable was only revealed to those who were really seeking. But those who were not, or those scoffers and those who were of two minds, the meaning was hidden. So even this illustration that we are going to look at today is is just like that. So I want you first to prepare your hearts and your minds as we unpack the text. For if you do not have the desire to seek the Lord... I tell you this, you will never understand the message. You will not get it, what the Lord is going to teach you through this illustration. So what ha- see what happened to the Pharisees here. Look at verse number 6. Jesus used this illustration, but at the end what happened? They, referring to the whom? The Pharisees, did not understand the things which he spoke to them. They couldn't get it because their minds were not ready. They were not seeking the Lord. So that's why it's important, church, that as you prepare to dive into this illustration, that you will only understand if you are truly seeking Him. So my prayer is this, that as we study this subject on the the marks of a true shepherd, that the Lord would open our eyes to see the true shepherd. That the Lord would open our ears to hear his gentle voice this morning. That the Lord would open your mind to comprehend the truth of him. That the Lord would open your heart to surrender yourself to him. That you will come under his fold as his sheep. So let us understand the context first. There's a lot to take here. If you don't understand the context, you will not understand or appreciate what the Lord is trying to tell here. So verses 1 to 21 on the 10th chapter were probably connected with the Feast of the Tabernacle. If you recall in chapter 7, we started looking at the Feast of the Tabernacle or the Feast of the Booths, where the events took place from the chapters 7 to 9 were recorded, it was recorded in that. Because we see that in John chapter 10, even comes to verse 21, there's a reference that was made to the healing of the blind man that happened in chapter 9. As we move into verse 22, which I'm not 
showing right now, John designates the time as the Feast of Dedication. So there's a transition happening at verse 22, which took place in the, in, in the winter. So we should understand John chapter 10, verses 1 to 21, as being closely related to the events in John 9, where Jesus healed the man born blind. So, church, the story behind the blind man illustrates the failure of the Pharisees to be faithful shepherds over God's flock. That's what he's showing. Instead of rejoicing that the man was healed, they were frustrated with his testimony concerning Jesus. And what did they do? They want to throw him out of the church, out of the synagogue. They were more concerned that Jesus had violated the legalistic Sabbath rules than they were about this man's healing. And this is not the first time we have seen this even in chapter 5 when the lame man was healed. By the pool of Bethesda, even there, the religious leaders did not rejoice at the healing of the lame man. They were so concerned that Jesus broke the traditions of the Sabbath. They were so concerned about the people, even in chapter 7, whom they should have been tenderly shepherding instead of that. This is what they were saying. Look at verse number 49 on chapter 7. But this crowd that does not know the Lord is accursed. Instead of shepherding them, instead of giving them the support that they need, this is the judgment that they are passing. So as shepherds, they should have taught the people, but instead, what we see is the Pharisees were ridiculing them for their ignorance. They even used their power to threaten these people with excommunication, isn't it? That's what he learned last time. If ever they confess Jesus to be Christ, boom, you are going out of their synagogue. You can really see the arrogance and the lack of concern for the flock. When they, what did they tell the blind man? You were completely born in sin. That's how it ends. Chapter 9, verse 34. And you are teaching us? They cast him out. These Pharisees were not faithful shepherds over the Lord's flock. So as we come to chapter 10, Jesus is actually drawing a, a sharp contrast between them as false shepherds, whom he calls thieves and robbers, and we're going to look at that in a minute, and himself as the true shepherd. That's what you're going to see today. The comparison between the, between the Pharisees as false shepherd and the true shepherd. This is a very powerful and convincing, convicting message to me as a shepherd of this church and to all who take on leadership. Because church, our role is to learn, love, and lead with his unconditional love. Shepherding is not easy. But you are called to shepherd who? The sheep. When you talk about a shepherd, there must be sheep. So before we dive into the, to see the marks of the true shepherd, it would only be appropriate for us to know who we are shepherding 
the sheep. So here are just a few characteristics of the sheep. And I just want to meet, just to follow this through. I hope you can see this. They are timid, they are fearful, they are easily panicked. If it applies to you, you can slip your hands up. No, I'm just kidding. But this is the sheep we are talking about. Now here's another one. They are, they are dumb, they are stupid, they are gullible. They can easily be swayed. The sheep. Another one. Stampede easily. That means all the sheep can run together and something can fall and get trapped there. They are vulnerable to mob psychology. Little, next one. Little or no means of self-defense. All they know is run. They can't defend themselves. They can easily be killed by enemies. They are very vulnerable people. They are jealous. They are competitive for dominance. This is the next one, very important. They are easily cast. The cast term, cast means they can flip with the legs up. You know what? They can't come back without the aid of the shepherd. Some of us are like that. We fall, we can't get up without the support of the shepherd. And the last one, they need the most care of all livestock. So church, let me ask you a question. If the sheep possess these characteristics, who would sign up to be the shepherd? It's frustrating, isn't it? I know that when you want to take on a job, what do you do? You read the job description, you want to see what am, what am I entitled to, what are the perks, but then also see what are my duties and responsibilities and what am I dealing with. If this is the job description and this is the sheep that you're going to look after, who will sign up on the dotted line? When it comes to serving in the church as a shepherd, these are the sheep we got to shepherd. So any ministry leaders, when you sign up, you can be Sunday school, you can be youth, young adults, seniors, juniors, kids. I want you to understand the challenges in shepherding. Because sheep will not change. So the question is, do you still want to serve the Lord? Will you show Christ's love? Will you labor without being rewarded? Will you exercise patience? Or will you be, ever be complaining? Please stop complaining if you are a true shepherd. Or will you be like the Pharisees, quick to cast them out of your life? Or oh, this sheep is no good, let's kick them out. Church, know this. In a true shepherd, what the others see is only the tip of the iceberg. Only see the tip of, only the Lord alone see the boulders beneath the ocean. If you are only concerned about the tip of the iceberg, what you are seeing outside, we can easily echo with Apostle Paul and say, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I ran the faith. Because that's what you have seen. But what underneath, we may grieve that no one sees the boulder, no one appreciates the struggles, but I want us to know, every leader, every ministry uh, leader, I want you to know that the boulder beneath is known to the Lord. 
He sees your silent tears. He sees it and that's why we should want the Lord to say to us what? Well done, the good and faithful servant. That's enough. That's what a good shepherd would need. Not any pat on the back in this world. So John 10 actually spoke of the marks of the true shepherd to the Pharisees and to us. So as you look at John chapter 10, I'm only focusing on the first six verses, there are two things that the Lord is talking about, the marks of the true shepherd. Number one, he talks about his credentials. Number two, he talks about his characters. That's, what, that's the way I'm seeing it. So we have only time to look at, the, look, at the, look at the first six verses only. Let's look at verse number one now. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Jesus speaking to the shepherd, to the sheep, to the Pharisees here. So I can hear you asking, Pastor, what on earth is a sheepfold? Right? Because that's the term that you see here. In the east, shepherds brought their flocks into one central sheepfold every evening at the end of the day where half a dozen flocks gathered together and were guarded by a porter or a gatekeeper or a doorkeeper we are coming back to that behind locked doors so after taking the sheep out the shepherds will bring the sheep together to a common place that is called the sheepfold and they come and leave all the sheep together it's like bringing members of different churches and putting together in a retreat and put a fellow at the entrance, don't let them go out. And the next day the pastors go there to say, okay, come, come, you belong to me, you come here. That's exactly what the shepherds do in the morning. The shepherds return and each called his own sheep. Let me show you the sheepfold. Again, I got it from Google, I didn't go and take a picture from that. All the sheep. I can spot myself there. Now hear me, church. Although the flocks had been mingled together, each flock, each sheep, knew its own shepherd's voice. And each would follow its own shepherd and no other. This is the picture our Lord uses with regard to the encounter between the man who had been born blind, and the false shepherds, the Pharisees. Now we are looking at the credentials of the true shepherd, that's what I told you. So through the centuries, there have been many false shepherds. Even today, there are many false views of who a shepherd is. The word pastor in the New Testament is translated from a Greek word which means shepherd. So when we call ourselves pastors, we are really shepherds of the sheep. So a pastor or a shepherd is devoted to caring for the flock and doing everything he can to be sure that the sheep are safe, they are fed, and they are under control. Though this talks about the good shepherd, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I just want us to know there's a lesson for every one of us. Because this helps us to understand who your leader is. This molds us to become the right leader 
not just for pastors, for everybody in the ministry. And not only for everybody in the leading the ministry, but every believer, because you have been called to lead either your home or your community or in your workplace. Everyone has been called into the ministry of reconciliation. So when you are involved in that, you are a shepherd. And there's a group of sheep that you have. So there are two markers that I see in the first verse as you look at this. Let's go back to verse number one. Jesus declared here, and we can tell the true shepherd here. Let me read it to you, two verses together. He who does not, he says, he does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, that same is a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So what does he mean by the word the door? He is referring, of course, to the normal, proper entrance to a sheepfold. I showed you the picture of the sheepfold. If you are a shepherd, you'll come to the main door to grab your sheep. Church, there's a great entrance in the front. You can see that. Now, when you came into this, you came through the proper door. I did not see anybody coming through the roof. I'm the only one who came through the back door. You come through this because this is where you belong. That is the proper door. That's the expected door through which you are supposed to enter the church. That is what our Lord is referring here. The only the true shepherd would come through the door to gather his sheep. The shepherd knows the sheep. The doorkeeper would let the shepherd go in. If someone is to climb some other way, he should be either a thief or a robber. Yes or no? Of course he is. Only a thief will use cunning and deceptive route to break into your house. They don't care about you. They only want to profit at your expense. They want to see, use you to further their own selfish ends. They will take advantage of your vulnerability. There are many so-called religious leaders claiming to be prophets and pastors with only one goal. How do I profit? Those are the thieves and the robbers who are climbing and entering and not coming through the main door. So how does it relate to the Lord Jesus Christ here? We are talking about the Lord, right? He says, he talks about he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door. And then he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. He's talking about himself. How did Jesus come through the correct door? Come with me, church, carefully. The prophets of the Old Testament had predicted the way the door, the shepherd, would come to the sheep. Very clearly. They had foretold where he would be born and whom he would be born to and the unusual character of his birth. They had predicted how he would appear to the nation, how he would be introduced, where he would live, where he, what he would say, and what he would do when he, when he came. 
that is this is what the lord means he came the predicted way the normal expected way and no other person in all of history of israel ever came to israel that way nobody this is how we can know that he is the true shepherd of the sheep he entered by the door he was born in bethlehem according to prophet micah that is where he would come from he was born of a virgin that is what prophet isaiah said he would be called wonderful counselor mighty god the everlasting father prince of peace isaiah again he is the one who was present in the temple as an infant circumcised on the eighth day according to the law and owned of god at his baptism he came the expected way the accepted way he entered by the door if anyone comes any other way he is a thief and a robber so jesus is the true shepherd of the sheep we are looking at the credentials of the true shepherd here i said there are two markers the first marker is the shepherd would enter through the door the second marker you look at in verse number 3 come with me please to him who opens the doorkeeper the doorkeeper opens the door the question is then who in the world is the doorkeeper i told you about the sheepfold and there is a guard at the entrance at the sheepfold and who is he he is the doorkeeper he is a, you call it janitor i don't know he call it the security guard whatever term that you want to call but he is the fellow who is going to guard it the doorkeeper when he recognize the shepherd he will say yep your sheep is here come he will open the door are, are you with me so when you look at the lord jesus there was a doorkeeper any while guess who the doorkeeper was john finish it off the baptist he opened the door for jesus to enter the fold of judaism as the true shepherd he was the voice crying in the wilderness prepare ye the way of the lord isn't it he is the one john the baptist identified jesus in word behold the lamp of god who takes away the sin of the world to that lamp the doorkeeper opened the door so let us take a moment to see the gate through which the true shepherd entered the world jesus came to israel through the door of prophetic messianic scripture and the doorkeeper opened to him as the true shepherd so that he could call his sheep out of the fold now his sheep are all from israel whom the father had given him is not only that church he also has other sheep the gentiles you and i whom he would gather into one flock under his shepherd so therefore jesus credentials prove him to be the true shepherd so that's what he looked at the first thing in the first two verses his credentials he enters by the door and the doorkeeper opens it now we are going to look at the the verses 3 onwards 3 to 6 his character of this true shepherd the character everybody say the word character character of the true shepherd let's look at verse number 
To him the doorkeeper opens, and then what happens, let's say. And the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. As you read this, the rest of the verses, I'm, looking, I'm seeing about four characteristics of this true shepherd by which you can identify this shepherd. There are four things. Number one, we see it in this verse. He calls his own sheep by name. I'm getting goosebumps when the Lord can come and call me by name. The first thing that we see is that he calls them by name. Apostle John writes, the sheep hears his voice, but the true shepherd calls them by name. So, church, notice this, that every encounter with Jesus in the gospel is, a person, is on a personal basis. He met Nicodemus at night, one-on-one. -on -one. He met the woman at the well, one-on-one. -on -one. He met the lame man at the pool of Bethesda, one-on-one. -on -one. He met the blind man that we just saw, one-on-one. -on -one. In each of these encounters, Jesus met the individual personally and alone. In the book of Luke, we see that the Lord was walking through Jericho and he saw this little man on the sycamore tree. And what did he say? Zacchaeus, prepare the BB barbecue and I'm coming to your house today. He called him Zacchaeus. He didn't say, I'm just coming to somebody's house. Very specific. In the book of Matthew, we see that he met Matthew at the customs table and he said, rise and follow me. Very direct, very specific. It's a personal encounter. Church, through all the centuries, since every believer who has come to Jesus has come alone through a personal encounter, one-on-one -on -one encounter. One-on-one -on -one encounter. Jesus never takes a group in at once. It's always you and him alone. You know, we really appreciate if somebody can recognize us and call us by name. Because that means I mean something to that person. Jesus does that with his sheep, that is you and me, and he knows you by name. Have you ever wondered how does this shepherd leave the 99 and goes after that one if he had not known there's one missing and know who that one was? How do you go after? There may be thousands of sheep outside. No, 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 it's you. Come here, you're running away. Interesting, isn't it? When you're reading the Bible, bring it to the theater of your mind and picture it. It's beautiful. It's awesome. There's another passage that always comforts me, and I want to show this to you. It's Psalm 147, 5. I'm sorry. Yes. He counts the number of the stars. He calls them by name. Have you ever looked at the stars, and can you count them? Oh, you can't. But the scripture says he calls them by name. Great is our Lord, mighty in power, and the psalmist puts it so nicely, his understanding is infinite. He's an omniscient God. 
church, such a personal, intimate God is our God. Listen what you believe in the silence and loneliness of your own heart about Him is what makes the difference. On your own. It cannot be done by proxy. There is where the transaction is done. He calls his own sheep by name. Church, I must tell you, I was saved because I was called by my name. I had my personal encounter with him. Until then, I was one amongst the crowd, the so-called Christians. I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in the church. With the morning service and the evening service, I didn't like it. I had cricket match to play outside, but I had to be in the church. And midweek, youth program and Sunday schools. And... But I was not under his fold until he called me by my name. He did not come and say, hey, Jesse, and come here. If he had said that, my wife would have gone. My son would have gone. My daughter, my daughter-in-law, even my grandson, my dog would have gone because it was called Junior Jesse Lynn. That's the name we gave to our dog, JJ. But he said, Ronald, I want you to come. Aren't you glad that's our God? Hey, you come. He called my name. He's calling you right now. Church, this is why on a personal note, as a pastor of the church, I, if I want to be a true shepherd, I must know every one of you coming to church. This is why I, I ask that please shake my hands before you go. Not because I want to shake your hands. It's an opportunity for me to say hello to you. And to say that I love you, I care for you. Sometimes I really wonder how a mega church, I'm not opposed to mega churches, trust me, don't, don't get me wrong. But you can't be a shepherd. You can be a, a teacher, but it's hard to be a shepherd if you don't know your sheep. This is why we take attendance. This is why we give you a call if you, are, if, you, if you don't see you in the church. Because you are a sheep. You smell. You want me to put back all the qualities that you have? Maybe later on. I'm just kidding. But you do. Always going back. Let's go back to the text now. I know the Lord knows me by name. And that is where the transaction happens. So that's the first characteristic that we see in, 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 in the true shepherd, that he calls his sheep by name. Let's look at verse 3 again, please. Come with me. Beautiful. Second characteristic. He leads them out. Not only calling by name, he is leading them out. He puts them out. That's what another translation says. Is that interesting? There's a very same phrase is used in chapter 9 when they excommunicated the blind man who saw the sight. Cast them out, send them out. The same word that is used. Church, what Jesus is saying is that when that happened to that blind man, please, please come along with me, it was not the Pharisees only doing it, it was Jesus himself who was behind it. It was Jesus who moved them to excommunicate him from the synagogue. Now you might ask, why on earth should Jesus do that? He let that man out. You know why? Because he wants him to be out of the false teaching which they had used to keep him in spiritual blindness. That is what it means to us as well. When Jesus calls us, he leads us out 
the, of the blindness and darkness of the world. As you see the light, you would desire the things of God. It is no more like, you know, what's in it for me in the church? It's all about how do I glorify God in the church? You are no more a consumer, Christian. Give me, give me, give me, pastor, give me, give me, give me. It's you are a committed Christian. When a person comes to Christ, almost immediately you see the evidences that he has begun to think of glorifying God in everything. Church, if any of you are still self-focused, we have not been led out by the Lord yet. That is the very first thing the Lord does with us. He leads us out. Now we are looking at the characteristics of this true shepherd. The first one I told you is, the, is that he calls us by name. The second one is he leads, us, leads his own sheep. Let's look at the third one, please. Come along with me. Verse number four. When he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. Can everybody say that word? He goes before them. And the sheep follow him. So the third characteristics of this true shepherd is that he goes before them. When the Lord leads you, he does not leave you alone. That's what you are getting from this passage. He has already gone ahead of you. In every situation you have to face, he has been there first. Wow. What a mighty God we serve. He has chosen for you every circumstances of your life as a believer. Think about this church. When you are joyful and when you are celebrating, He is with you. When you are miserable and you are crying and you are lonely, He is with you. Because He has gone before you. This, that is the great truth of Scripture that helps us handle the pressures of life, the dangers of life, the pitfalls of life. Because He has gone before us. What a beautiful picture that is. You know what church, please get this. There will be no situation in your life that you will be alone. Even everyone around you have abandoned you. That's his promise. That's his promise. Very comforting, isn't it? Very comforting. This is why David wrote, of course, he had sin issues as well, but he says, where can I go from your spirit? Oh, when I flee from your presence, if I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall uphold me. The shepherd goes before you. And this is why David, very passionately, we sang a beautiful song earlier, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. How did he conclude? Fear no evil. I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I am walking through the valley of the shadow of death. There is no hope for, for a future. But I am not afraid because you are with me. You let me, you brought me out and now you are showing me the path and I know that even though from a worldly perspective I am alone, I am not alone because the creator God is with me. What a comforting truth, church. 
What a mighty God we serve. So that's the third characteristic. You go to the last one now. When the pastors say, last, everybody's happy. I'm just, I've not started preaching yet, so bear with me. Verse number five. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the strangers. What do you take from this? The fourth is the sheep trust his voice. They know his voice, they trust his voice. If you, if you, if you read very carefully, it says they do not know the voice of the strangers. When the sheep hear the voice of the stranger, they will spot it at once. What will they do? They flee. They run. Once you become a true follower of this true shepherd, when you hear the teaching and preaching of some of the TV evangelists and so-called pastors and prophets and whatnot, who keep telling you that, come, you know, you're going to be prosperous and you're going to have this, that and the other, at once you'll spot that is not the voice of the true shepherd. There is something wrong with it. You may not be able to pinpoint and say this is wrong, but you know there is something wrong in the passage. Church, that is why, you know, I have quoted this before, but I understand, I, I'm told that in the US, when they want to detect a false currency, they ask the people to master the true currency first. When you master the true currency, the moment you touch the false currency, you know that is false. So for us, if you want to know who the false prophets are, there are millions of them around the world. You can never do a PhD on that, a thesis paper on that, because you, you might collect about a thousand, there'll be another one waiting somewhere else. But there is one true shepherd that you can do a PhD on. If you know him, you can spot everybody else. So church, we looked at his credentials, enters by door, doorkeeper opens, and his characters, he calls his sheep by name. He leads them out. He goes before them. His voice is known to the sheep. Jesus has very clearly articulated it, who a true shepherd is through this illustration. But here is the most uh, heart-wrenching truth or the fact. It's in verse 6. The Pharisees did not get it. Look at this. Verse number 6. Jesus used this illustration but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Remember, I warned you about this at the very beginning. Like the parables, the illustrations the pa revealed the truth only to those who are seeking. Church, if you are seeking genuinely, and you would have grasped the message today. If not, the message, the truth is concealed. You will never get it. Sadly, the Pharisees could not grasp the truth about the Lord. Because they were not seeking Him. My question is, how about you? The bottom line is, it's not how much you know. It's who you know that matters. 
the Pharisees knew far more theology than the man born blind. But they didn't know the true shepherd. But the healed man may not know all the theology, but he knew Jesus as the shepherd. Some of us are still like the Pharisees. Maybe seated here, maybe watching online. But let me close with this exhortation, which is pretty scary. Which Apostle John writes again. We'll be studying this later on. And I want everyone to read this with me, please. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Knowing the true shepherd is eternal life. Do you know him? Shall we pray? Can I ask you all to stand if you can able, otherwise you can be seated, but let us pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Father, as we hear this illustration that you gave to the Pharisees, you have taken so much time to explain to them about your credentials and your character. But yet, because of the stubbornness of their heart, they could not understand the illustration. But here we are, God. We are genuinely and truly seeking you today. And we pray, O oh God, that the truth of the true shepherd, the characteristics and the credentials of the true shepherd will convict us and will draw us, draw us the sheep to you to come under your fold. If there's anyone here in the congregation or anyone who is watching online have not responded to that call of yours, I pray in Jesus' name that today is the day. Because tomorrow is not certain, a God. And I plead with you that you'll convict our hearts. Draw us close to you. And to those of us who have been called, let us understand, O oh God, there is a responsibility. That these credentials and the characteristics that we are seeing, it must be reflected in our own lives too. As people who have been called to lead others to you. So help us, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.